welcome to Our Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neal. Hello. How are you doing this week, Sam? Uh, I'm okay. I still haven't played much Magic. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I, why would I? I'm only like, you know, doing a Magic the Gathering podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's finally cool here, so... Hey. Well, cool-ish. Like, it rained a bit. Yeah. And then I managed to go to work on Saturday without sweating all day so it's definitely an improvement yeah I mean that, that's what people listen to this podcast for my yeah. evaluation of the weather <laughs> yeah how are you yeah I, I'm alright not so bad um, again like I haven't played a lot this week myself I did manage to go to a PPTQ yesterday mm-hmm. uh, played a limited PPTQ mm-hmm. which kind of went horrendously e- <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> like I knew it would like it, it was just it was one of those pools where it was like ah, all of these cards are really good mm-hmm. here's like an absolute you know, here's like an actual bomb I've got to play that yeah <sighs> okay sure we can go three colours um, so yeah so I ended up like opening like this is the rares in my deck for like Banefire, uh, Demon Catastrophes, and Vivictus as Mardi the Dyer. That seems pretty good. So I'm like, all right, that's cool. But then, like, like all of my green was solid, all of my black was solid, all of my red was solid. And I think rather than just play some slightly worse cards in, like, two of the colours, I was like, well, I'm just going to, like, try to play the best cards of all colours and uh, just, you know, try to force this three-colour deck with, like, no Vixen. Sure. Seems like a bad idea, but okay. <laughs> yeah, like... I've done it in like drafts, like M19 drafts, and gotten away with it fine, but mm-hmm. it felt like uh, considerably different and sealed. And then it also didn't help that I had like six cards with double colored in their cast and coughs, and then obviously Ooh. a three color card as well. So I was running like the Demon Catastrophes, uh, Vampire Sovereign, so that's three and two black. Uh, and then I was running a Sto- uh, Sparkton Dragon, that's three and two red, Siegebreaker Giant, three and two red, uh, two copies of Colossal Dreadmore. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and obviously Vivek Desamadi, which is which is pretty good. Okay. Uh, yeah. I did have one of those um, poison-tipped archers in there as well. Wait. And yeah, just like no uncolored dual lands, no mana lifts in my pool at all. Uh, and just kind of, like it was one of those decks where I was like, this is either going to come together, and I'm just going to like you know I'll, I'll three and X easy get into top eight, and then whatever we'll see what happens in the draft or it's going to go the complete opposite way and i'm just going to x and three right mm-hmm. dead fast yeah uh, and it was yeah it was definitely that the latter there uh, I, I won my first round like fairly easily um yeah gonna make a sweet play which i'll tell you about at the end of today's episode my answer story sure. mm-hmm. yeah after it was all downhill after there like lost to a mill deck it was it was horrible yeah. <laughs> it was Doesn't even it? yeah it was even like i was like drawing like natural tron like forest swamp mountain like mm. consistently but i think i just kind of went too big with some of the creatures in there sure so great cards crap deck yeah i think so mm-hmm. that can happen yeah especially when you get really greedy <laughs> you tend to do <sighs> yeah definitely like that, that's it like i'm opening the big dragon i'm opening like some you know yeah just lots of big creatures that are, are really good at the top end I just tended to like focus on that and forget about the lower end and I just got punished for it really which is fine yeah lesson learned yeah, yeah. lesson learned mm-hmm. but outside of that I've just been playing a lot of standard on Magic Online as well just trying mm-hmm. to get practicing for nationals um, yeah I'm like fairly confident I'm 100% locked in on that mono blue storm deck <laughs> sure I just play the nonsense yeah it's I, I mean it, it's it's decent like played it in, in paper uh, on Sunday as well which get a couple yeah. of games in sort of in between rounds and like it's real like it beaten it beat like a mono red deck with like against like a player who I, I know is a decent magic player mm-hmm. um, yeah I think it's one of those decks that if I can just learn it inside out I shouldn't have too much of a problem like as long as I get to know my matchups well mm-hmm. but well, well We'll see. We'll see what happens. Variance is a thing. <laughs> yeah, and you always seem to be on the wrong end of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, unless I'm playing, like, Cube or, like, Vintage or, like, so- something where it just doesn't really matter. Oh, yeah, whenever whenever I'm playing anything that doesn't matter, um, everything breaks my way and it's really, really good. And then yeah. as soon as I enter a tournament, I just get completely crapped off. Yeah, I know that feeling so, very well. Yeah. Maybe I'm just really bad at magic and just I'm willing to accept it, but <laughs> I think it's the luck factor. Yeah, sure. So I'll go with. <laughs> well, speaking of the luck factor... Let's do a cracker pack this week and see if we get lucky and open Way. something good. <laughs> sure. So I got my my one booster that I won at the PPTQ. Sweet. Okay. I hope we get something good in there. Uh-huh. Right. So first up, uh, we have Walking Corpse. It's one in black for a two-two zombie. No. Yeah, I agree. Like, 
<laughs> I, I got one in my pool. I was playing black. I didn't play it. I probably should have. Sure. Uh, you were yeah. just too busy casting the big spells, right? Or at least trying to, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah this, this card is not very good. No, it's not. Uh, it dies to our next card, which is Shock. That's one red uh, for an instant. Deals two damage to any target. Yeah, that's a good card, and I think will be the front runner for a while. I think so. I think it's probably just going to follow the pattern that we've had to the past couple of boosters, and the second card is probably going to be the, the pick. Yep, <laughs> it's been the way so far. So after that, we've got Cavalry Dil- Drillmaster. It's one and a white for a 2-1 Human Knight. Enters the battlefield, target creature gets plus two, plus zero, and gains first strike till end of turn. This card is fine, but it is not better than Shock. Yeah, I agree there, definitely. Like, I really don't hate it. Like, I don't think it's that bad in, like, the, the red-white aggro deck. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, like, because of that ability, it's it's fairly good at most points in the match. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm not going to take it over the removal spell. Yeah, you are correct. Uh, another card I don't think I'm going to pick over the shock is Titanic Growth. That's one and a green for an instant. Target creature gets plus four, plus four until end of turn. Yeah, it's a very reasonable combat trick, um, and I'd be happy with one in a green deck, but I, if you're taking it in your first pack, then uh, I think you're going to lose. Yeah, I agree. Like I quite like this card in this format a lot. I think it's mm. probably better in this format than it has been in anything for a while. Yeah. But yeah, Shock's just gonna gonna be the pick over this any day. Absolutely. So after Titanic Growth, we got uh, Aviation Pioneer. That's a two and a blue for a human artificer. It's a one two, and it enters the battlefield. Create a one one colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. Um, this card is good. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, I'm still not sure it's better than Shock. I just want to take the removal spell so far. Yeah, same. Yeah, I think Shock is just better than it. Like mm-hmm. again, do that thing. You stick the two cards in the arena. Like Shock's just gonna kill Aviation Pioneer. Yeah, yeah I do like Aviation Pioneer a lot, but Shock is definitely where I kind of want to be if we're first mm-hmm. picking either of those cards at this point. Yeah. Uh, so after the, that, we've got Hostile Manator. It's three in a red for a Manator. It's a three-three, and it has haste. Meh. Yep. Still, still on Shock. I think here. Yeah. Like I would play it in a red deck. It, not over Shock. <laughs> no, definitely not over Shock. But I, like at this point, if we're taking the Shock, we hope to get that back on the wheel. Like I don't. Sure. Yeah dislike this card massively but I don't mm-hmm. really love it either yeah I mean Bad Labrax is still okay I guess yeah true so after that comes Bristling Boar it's 3 and a green for a 4-3 Bristling Boar can't be blocked by more than one creature Ugh. these are all fairly uninspiring I think so far yeah definitely I think like this, you know this card like all of the others before us like whatever deck I end up in mm-hmm. I really wouldn't mind playing any of them that we've opened so far yeah but as far as the first pick goes I think Shock is just the more powerful first pick yeah I agree uh, another card we certainly won't be first picking is Field Creeper that's two mana of any colour for a 2-1 artifact creature this card's such a joke <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm still not even convinced it's good in the artifact deck yeah I agree I, I just don't think this card is good in this format at all in any deck <laughs> you would be correct <laughs> uh, we could be wrong we could be like completely nuts but uh, uh, it's, it's not. not it's just not <laughs> <laughs> after that we've got Dwarven Priest it's 3 and a white for 2-4 it's a Dwarf Cleric and when it enters the battlefield you gain 1 life for each creature you control uh, it's not a bad shark yeah again like I don't hate it if I'm playing any white deck I'll happily play at least one of them mm-hmm. but yeah definitely shock over this yep uh, next we come to Tolarian Scholar that's two and a blue for a 2-3 human wizard no this card still sucks and it makes me sad all the time but it's still bad yeah I agree still firmly on the shock definitely the, the winner of the commons there so we come to our mm-hmm. first uncommon uh, we've got Gravedigger that's a three and a black for a 2-2 zombie when it enters the battlefield you may return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand mm, I still think shock's better I think I agree as well. Like I quite like Gravedigger in this format. Like, yeah, it's pretty decent. I mean, it's pretty decent in any format it's shown up in. But like, yeah, Shock is just a very efficient card for what it does. Yeah, I do love Gravedigger. Gravedigger though. Yeah, same. But, yeah, I've got to take the Shock still. Uh, so after that, we come to Aerial Engineer. That is two, a white and a blue for a two-four human artificer. As long as you control an artifact, it gets plus two plus zero and has flying. <sighs> Yeah, I'm still not taking over Shark. Like it's still like it's it's normally a card that's good enough to pull me into that deck or into those colours, but I just want a removal spell. Yeah, I think I agree. I think red might be my favourite colour in this format. Um, Yeah, I've been impressed with it so far. Yeah, and I I think although I do quite like the like the white blue artifact deck, I think Mm -hmm. I would be happier just taking the Shark and keeping myself open to build like a powerful base red deck as opposed to trying to forcibly white deck that might not be there. Yeah, definitely. So the last of the uncommons. Blood Divination. Three and a black for a sorcery. As an additional cost to cast the spell, sacrifice a creature, draw three cards. Uh, this is okay. The, the problem, my problem with this card is like, 
it, the effect is something that you want in a in a control deck. Yeah. Like a deadly control deck, and then it requires you to have a creature for some reason. Yeah. Which, uh, it's difficult to put those two together when you, when you want to be a creature deck, but you also want to be like a deadly control deck that just wants to outdraw your opponent. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just more of a constructed card, really. Yeah, um, it's not a bad than shark, so we're currently picking a common. We, oh, yeah, let's see if our rare changes that. Mm-hmm. Uh, oof, I think... I think it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a rare, we've got Lena, Selfless Champion. Okay. It's 4 and 2 <laughs> white for a legendary creature. It's a human knight. Uh, it's a 3-3. Three, three, and when Lena, Selfless Champion, enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 one, one white soldier creature token for each non-token creature you control. and has an ability. Sacrifice Lena. Creatures you control with power less than Lena's power gain indestructible until end of turn. Yes, this card is very good. <laughs> it is very good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely definitely the pick over the shock. Yeah. Although, even then, I feel like I probably wouldn't mind the shock. Like, if we'd, if we'd opened up, like 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 anything sort of worse than that. I think the shock might have been my pick. Yeah, I think just because of the complexion of a set, like shock's probably better than most of not most of the rares, but like a lot of the rares. Yeah, if you're having like apex of power, like <laughs> or some like or, or an isolate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this card's just nuts. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm happy taking it. Uh, ooh, we do have a dual land as well, sort of. <laughs> We've got a meandering river. Okay, that's not better than this massive bomber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll we'll end up in some. Maybe we will end up in like a white blue artifact deck, and we'll get that on the wheel. But yeah, I don't. You're gonna end up in a white blue artifact deck when you're passing the white blue artifact card. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> oh, this, this, this format so I'm just like so uninspired by it yeah that's the thing like every time I I don't know I don't know I'm going to I'm gonna try and be positive. Yeah, like I'm. Sad. I'm trying. Like it's hard, though, isn't it? Yeah, I just, I just don't feel like it's a fun format, and I, I don't feel like there's any incentive for me to draft it outside of <laughs> just practicing it. Oh, uh, I love like, that. That was. Uh, I I'm gonna try and be positive, but also I don't want to play this format, and it is bad. <laughs> I don't even think it's necessarily bad. It's just it's it's not fun. It's not inspiring, and I don't really have a reason to play it other than just practicing it for, for nationals and you know limited pptqs yeah basically it's yeah. just it's, it's unnecessary but like it's fine like it's it's not a horrible drafting experience like it's i mean it's still drafting magic which is still obviously objectively fun hmm. but yeah i've certainly had more fun playing playing magic yeah definitely and like at least i am actively doing drafts of this as opposed to like ixalan and rivals for ixalan when i just i just did not want to draft those formats at all mm. Absolutely. Cool. So that's our cracker pack out of the way for this week. Mm-hmm. Should we move on to a card of the week? Yeah. Uh, so what is your card of the week this week, Sam? Uh, it is Oracle of Moldaya. Ah, that's an interesting one. Uh, why is that your card of the week this week? Uh, because it's, it's three and a green for a 2-2, Elf Shaman, and you play the top card of your library reveal, and if it's a land, you can play it, and you can play an additional land, and it isn't in the Lands Matter Commander deck for some reason. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> So like, that's yeah, kind of one of the I guess one of the major topics this week. We are going to discuss Commander eighteen in a bit more detail now that we've had all the complete deck lists, and mm-hmm. there's been a lot of negative feedback. I think really from the the community in general about these decks, but I say specifically like that that Jund Lands Matters deck. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just said I was about to be positive, <laughs> yeah. but people know me by now. Um, yeah, like it just seems like a huge mess. Um, uh, we'll get onto how. I feel about the Commander decks generally and the main topic, but just like this could have been a set where they just stuck in an expensive card in each deck and it sort of would have been fine. Yeah, definitely. Like they, so the enchantment deck had, I mean, I'm sure the prices have already crashed on them, but they had Bear Umbra. Yeah. And, oh, Enchantress Presence. Yeah. Which um, at the time they were spoiled with $15 cards, which were cool. So that you, you, in a product that has an MSRP of $40, yeah. you put in $30 worth of cards that people want that. Actually, we'll actually buy the deck. Yeah, I mean, no, those cards are now down to like six or seven dollars each. Yeah, it's like five dollars for Bear Umbra now. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is what happens, and that's great because that's not it's not affecting like people weren't hoarding Bear Umbra to try and make money. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and it's just it was an expensive card that needed a reprint, and they did it, and it was it, it's obviously already driven the price down. Yeah, but the rest of the decks don't really have anything, and I think Oracle and Die would have been like objectively an excellent reprint yeah I agree definitely like especially when you know the the deck is kind of like lands matter and Oracle of Madaya is one of the more sort of infamous lands matter cards really and if you couple that with like the fact that it's only had one printing yeah how's that card still only had one printing between like all the master sets and everything yeah it's it's, it's, it's ridiculous 
It should have been in the deck, really. Like, I think <laughs> you combine it with the fact that it's only had one printing theme of the deck is Lands Matters, and then they have also raised the, MS- the MSRP on them this time to $40. Yep. And apparently not put any value in them whatsoever. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> it, sh- it should have been, you know, Oracle Mildaya, or like at least like Corsair Crucifix or something should have been like an auto include in, in that deck. Azusa? Yeah, Azusa would, would have been good. Or like a vaguely expensive card that fits the theme. It's just, I think that's my general problem is that there's no... The expensive cards in the deck are the new cards that people are specking on the price being high. Yeah. Um, the most expensive card... So I'm looking at my MG Goldfish, but the most expensive card of the reprints is Avenger of Zendikar. Yeah. Which is $4. It could have just jammed something in. Like, the second most expensive card in this deck is Sol Ring, which is... Uh, sort of embarrassing. It, it wasn't. It wasn't like a normal thing. We have like, oh, just just cram this valuable card in this deck because you know people people have wanted Oracle of Moldai reprinted for ages. Yeah, mind the deck seemed like the correct place to put it because it, it's it's a thirty five dollar card because it's good in Commander basically. Yeah. But this is like a, a home run place to reprint it because it's a lands matter deck and it, they haven't put any like additional lands cards like playing additional lands or anything like that. And I just think it would have been it's it's a real miss not to just jam the card in there. Yeah, absolutely. Considering they reprinted some other expensive cards elsewhere. Yeah, like I could see I can see the argument for not printing it in the deck just so they can put it in like a master set in the mythic slot if they sure. want to kind of like preserve you know value or desirability as they call it uh, that mm. way uh, yeah. but like, even then like we don't really know sort of what the future holds for master sets given that they you know they, they did that announcement saying oh well they're not going to do like modern masters or eternal masters it's going to be like a theme to them so you know, we don't even know that it's necessarily a given that it, it will see a reprint in one of those sets uh, they've discontinued from the vaults as well so we don't know like it's not going to turn up in like you know Nissa's signature spell book <sighs> So I think we are sort of running out of places where that card can turn up, and I feel like this would have been the perfect spot for it, really. Yeah, especially considering it hasn't had any reprints whatsoever. Yeah. And that card is, what, like, seven years old at this point? Eight years old? Was it oh, at least, yeah. Uh, yeah, Zendikar's 2009, right? So Yeah, nine years. Yeah. Almost a decade old, yeah. <laughs> no wonder a foil is, like, $80. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm getting increasingly disillusioned with Watsy's reprint policy. Yeah. Like when cards make so much sense to just put in a in a set or a product, and like especially with like coming off M19 where they just randomly throw in Crucible of Worlds and Scape Shift for seemingly no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Um, the fact that they didn't put like a really flavorful and useful card in the deck just makes me a little bit annoyed. Yeah, I, I agree there definitely. But anyway, I'm just getting angry for no reason, as I normally do. <laughs> What's your card of the week? So, following on from a theme, mm. uh, my card of the week is Sensei's Divine Top. Oh, that also didn't get reprinted in one of these Commander decks. I mean, it did, should've. yeah, that's exactly why. <laughs> it's my card of the week this week. So, mm-hmm. I mean, one of the, I mean, to be honest, I think Sensei's Divine Top could have fit in, like, definitely two of them, if not all of the decks. Like, yeah. you've got, like, the Artifact Manners deck, like, it could have easily gone in there. Uh, but I think the place where it should have been really was the uh, Subjective Reality deck. What, where... the deck where just reprinted Legacy Miracles? <laughs> yeah, like, the theme of the deck is, is literally, like, the top of the library matters. Mm-hmm. And you've got, like, you've got Miracle cards in there, you've got, like, a brand new, like, Black Miracle card in there. Yeah. Why That's... isn't Sensei's Divine in top in this, in this deck? Yeah, they, literally, they've got Brainstorm, Ponder, Portent, Predict, right, which yeah. are all literally in the Legacy Miracles deck. Yeah, they've got Entreat the Angels, Terminus, yeah. and the new uh, Entreat the Dead. Yeah, uh, how could you not just put a sense of top in here and then just like crush the price and just because it's it's not valuable for any reason other than like you play in Commander decks. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that's a perfectly. But this is the thing as well. Like, just same with Oracle Mod. I think like specifically like cards that are expensive because of Commander yeah. are perfectly reasonable things to just crush the price off with by reprinting them. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. no one, no one's hoarding these. Like, oh, maybe they are, but like no one should be hoarding these cards to make money. You should be hoarding reservedist cards or like modern staples and not. Oracles and Moldire and Sensei's Divining Tops because those cards are unplayable outside of Commander. Yeah, definitely. And like again, like you could make the argument that oh, like they're gonna put them in like another Masters set. Like it was already in Eternal Masters. Like you make mm-hmm. the argument that they'll put it in Eternal Masters too because now there'll be more demand for the card. Yeah. Uh, given that it wasn't reprinted in the set, but 
Mm-hmm. Even then, like it just it just feels this should have been an auto include in the deck when yep. you're you know you're really like you're bringing the prices on the decks. Yeah, you're including cards that aren't necessarily desirable reprints or even reprints that are sort of on theme for the deck. Like why not? Why not just put put the card in the deck? Yep, I think they're worried about people going out and just like <sighs> you you get the same thing as like a Trino Nemesis problem. Yeah, where people just buy up one of the decks because it's got a reprint in it. Mm. Where people like people would buy up this deck because it's got a sensor uh, top in it. People would buy up the land deck because it had an oracle of Moldiron in yeah. it. Whereas people aren't going to go out and um, buy loads and loads of copies of the enchantment deck because it's got a bear umber in it because bear umber isn't particularly desirable. It was just expensive. Yeah, that's true. And enchantress presence as well. Like it's not a particularly desirable card outside of like literally enchantment ADH decks. Yeah. So people aren't going to go out and buy dozens of copies of this deck just to reap the value out of them. So I guess there's that consideration is the fact that like those two cards, like our two cards, are like are universally playable as opposed to very niche, like niche and expensive. But still, you could have just put a card in each deck. Like they could have put Sensei's Top in the Miracles one. Yeah. They could have put Oracle of Modar in the Lands one. Yeah. And they could have put like I'm sure there's another expensive card they could have put in like the Artifact one. Yeah, like Blightsteel like, Colossus and yeah, could have put Blightsteel Colossus in there and like the um, Enchantment one. Like surely they put those two cards that aren't going to be expensive in a couple of months' time. They could have put like I don't know, uh, like Privilege Position, yeah, which is like incredibly expensive and a staple in Commander. I think like the MO for I think we we're bleeding into main topic maybe, but yeah, <laughs> um, like, yeah the MO for the Commander deck design is just it's a little bit all over the place. Yeah, I agree there. I agree, and it's a really good vehicle for reprinting expensive cards that they just haven't taken advantage of yeah so maybe we should then let's move on to our, our main topic this week mm-hmm. kind of covering a little bit of a, a broad spectrum i think but with commander 18 i guess really is kind of like the main focus or sort of like the drive behind it but yeah let's stop this week our, our main topic is entitled when magic goes wrong yeah obviously that means uh, you know a lot of different things to a lot of different people as far as it's yep. concerned and we kind of we don't want to just you know just you know just take a crap on magic and wizards of the coast and just mm-hmm. get really negative about it because I mean, not everything is going to be a home run like not everything is going to be like not every set's going to be dominaria like not every card is going to be jason mind sculptor like uh-huh. sometimes things go wrong like we've seen it with like mechanics like energy and standard we've seen it with having like multiple cards banned and standard yeah we've seen stuff it. like iconic masters Yes. Just a complete failure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I guess, like, sort of just discussing why these things happen, how these things go wrong. And I guess what sort of, what impact they have for the game or, at least, you know, the community in general. Mm-hmm. So should we start off with Commander 2018, then? Yes. <laughs> how do you feel about Commander 2018 as a, a resident Commander player on the show? <laughs> it's, I don't know, it had the potential to be so good. Yeah. Um, and then they're just, like, some of the things are just, so obviously all the things we've just talked about. Yeah. Uh, potential for reprints, like that's always gonna be a problem, and they should have put they should put at least an expensive card in each deck because it's still forty dollars, and those prices will crash because people aren't buying them up to play in Legacy or Modern or whatever. People are buying them up to play in their Commander decks, which is what you want. You want people to play Commander. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think the main problem with this set is that most of the decks seem very sort of all over the place, like very split. Yeah. So where you've got. Um, just there's no real cohesion and I know they've done that before where they sort of like with the Attractor deck yeah. they put in cards that was very obviously about plus one plus one counter specifically yeah. but then they put in loads of other counters which still worked with Attractor because it's proliferate whereas in this set they've gone for so so let's take like the, the lands deck specifically yeah. so they've put in uh, one of the commanders is a lands commander all the abilities on the planeswalker do stuff with lands they want you to play lands and, other, and, other, and, other, and, other, and like and then the other two commanders just make no sense whatsoever and aren't supported in the deck. Yeah. So, like, Gyrus, Waker of Corpses, the Hydra. Yeah. Sweet card. Doesn't make any sense in the deck. No, yeah. Because you're not, you're not, you don't, you don't want to reanimate stuff. There's no plus one, plus one counter synergies. Um, and the same with Fantas. It's just, it's just a generically kind of okay fun card, but it doesn't make any sense. And then, so it's meant to be Lance Matter, but then you just have like random stuff like Soul of Innistrad. Yeah, and like stitched together. Yeah, it's like, oh, I might discard a card with Lord Wingrace that isn't a land. I was yeah. like, okay, but why the hell would you, then what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, and just, just random stuff they just decide to decide to put in yeah like chain reaction like a sorcery two and two red chain reaction deals x damage to each creature where x is the number of creatures on the battlefield no, like, like, what's that got to do with with land i haven't got anything to do with it yeah. um and just putting just random stuff in like some of the new cards like emissary of grudges yeah like i mean it's a it's a cool card but why the hell is it in this deck so it's three uh, sorry five in a red for a six five with flying in haste and as it as it is about to secretly choose an opponent 
uh, reveal the player you chose, which is an activated ability, which is cool. Activate the, the activate to activate the ability, you have to reveal the player you secretly chose. Yeah. Uh, choose new targets for target spell ability if it's controlled by the chosen player, and if it's targets if it targets your opponent, you control activate the ability only once. Um, it's a cool design card. Like like I've, I said before, like Commander decks, like the Commander sets uh, allow them to explore really interesting design space and allow them to design really cool cards. Wh- why the hell is this in a lands matter deck? Yeah, it just seems like a card they had in the back burner for a while. They could have put in a cons- conspiracy set or something and yeah. just jam yeah, because they can. Um, it's it's really it, strange. Like it, it's you know it's called Nature's Vengeance, and they did like the build up to it. They, they were very much oh yeah, it's all about you know lands matter and you know landfall, <laughs> and it's going to be this. Not once did they really say there was going to be a like reanimator sub theme in the deck, and they've mm-hmm. revealed the list, and it's like there's almost like a reanimator sub theme. It's not even really a reanimator sub theme. It's just like. A stitch together. Yeah, well, you got a stitch together. You've got a haunted Fengraph. Uh, mm-hmm. You got a Moldgraph monstrosity. Yeah, you just got like these. Yeah, like a bunch of creatures from, and well, I guess a bunch of cards from Innistrad that, like, for whatever reason, bring back creatures from your graveyard. But yep. I mean, what, what are you even getting? Like, you're gonna get like Soul of Innistrad or like Avengers Endicar back from your graveyard? Like, yeah, it's. Uh, I just don't. I don't uh, really yeah. understand what's happened. Yeah, um, same. And that's part of, the, part of the problem with these with these decks specifically is they just seem massively over the place. Yeah, like they've just jammed in cards. Like, and they're not even so. If they'd have sort of jammed in cards that were expensive that they needed to reprint, I'd sort of be okay with it. Yeah, yeah. But like, I don't know, putting Jeskai Infiltrator in the Esper one. Like, yeah, does that really work? You've just put it in there because well, like Mall Drifter, like you've just put it in there because it's a, it's a card. <laughs> like, I think, like Jeskai Infiltrator. Uh, you are manifesting the top card of your library, uh, sure, so okay, that so. that counts for like the you know the top of your library matters. But yeah, sh- like, sure, even okay. then, like going back to Sensei's Divine and Top, like that's just another thing to make me wish Top was in the deck because. Mm. If you know if you have that interactivity of like knowing what the top card of your deck is, then mm. you can be like, oh well, the top card of my deck is a land, and I know I don't need any more lands, so Jessica yeah. Infiltrator is going to get in for some damage. I'm going to manifest that land, which means you know the next card, which the next card I'm going to draw next turn is going to be like a miracle card, like that kind of thing. Sure, so many like cool interactions that, that you just could have had in the deck that mm-hmm. you just lose out on. Don't yeah. Um, now I mean, now it's like, like oh I'm going to like tap my sigil, just my tap my sigil got a starfish to scry one and then attack my Jeskai Infiltrator like yeah it's not half as good and it's you know mm-hmm. it costs them the exact same amount of money it does to print a sigil starfish as it does the sensei's divine on top yep I, I mean like the thing with this the esper deck is that they're just randomly jammed in a ninja sub theme for some reason yeah how does that work <laughs> what, what they're just a silent blade only and like the ninja commander and like a ninja of deep powers that doesn't make any sense yeah I mean and even then there's like you know Phyrexian Delver when enters battlefield return target creature from your graveyard to the battlefield yeah, what the hell like why 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 is there a reanimator sub theme in this deck as well? Like, yeah, why is that not in the lands deck at least? Because yeah. at least, like, you know, get rid of cards and like milling cards or whatever. Just seems. Whereas, like, the um, the artifact deck, like the Healy deck, yeah. seems relatively coherent. Yeah, I agree, definitely. Literally every creature is either an artifact creature or says the word artifact on it. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the only things that aren't artifacts related are, like, Into the Royal, Magma Quake, Chaos War, Blasphemous Act, like, which are. Just, like, kind of solid red commander staples really yeah like removal spells and board wipes as well yeah. like and that's perfectly reasonable um and like all the new cards are all massively artifact themed and like really like really well designed and really sort of on point for the for the set yeah. um the theme and and then you just get these other ones where they just seem like hastily sort of slapped together yeah definitely um and i get like you just have to fill them out but there's so many better cards like what the... okay the enchantment deck it just has a card i sell in it for some reason yeah <laughs> like i and a Hydra Omnivore like okay but like why because if you're trying to build these decks where like you call them uh, Adaptive Enchantment and the commander is massively enchantment themed and like the other two commanders are massively enchantment themed and there's a big enchantment thing and then you just put in a random card that doesn't do anything yeah. that doesn't make any sense with the um, with the theme of the set and yeah. it just it just really annoys me when they do stuff like that yeah like you've got all of these like enchantment creatures and enchantment matters cards and stuff and then you just got like Phyrexian Rebirth like it's a great yeah, card sure. it's a really cool card but it it doesn't fit in like just put a wrath of god in there it's yeah. like it's way more sense or the the one from uh even the one from m19 like the destroy all yeah. creatures or destroy all enchantments and artifacts yeah, that's, that's great yeah at least it's on theme like, like i don't painful. know like maybe maybe there's just something here and we're not seeing it like maybe because there is like a phyrexian themed you know 
reanimate a sort of card in each of the decks. Maybe that's some foreshadowing for like some like new Phyrexian set, like towards sure, the end of next so year or something. Like maybe, but it feels like really strange to be dropping it in Commander eighteen if that's the case. Yeah, and you just oh god, it, I just don't understand why they seem so. Because with previous sets, like they, they hasn't they haven't been this heavily themed. Yeah. So um, so last year was the tribal theme, so yeah. they're all heavily themed, and that sort of worked because you know they're all you know the vampire deck all had all vampires in it. Yeah. And then some supporting spells. Um, the four color ones were just like okay, four colors. Uh, this commander has cascade. This commander has proliferate. So we'll sort of put some stuff in there, and it didn't really matter. They, like they could just be generically good stuff cards. Yeah, yeah. But when you release notes saying this is going to be specifically lands matter, this is going to be specifically um, an enchantment deck, and then you just randomly put some stuff in. Yeah. Like it just it, it seems like it such feels a... yeah it feels like like such a miss. Like I feel like although all of the other you know whenever there's been a commander product release, like obviously all of the decks are different from each other, but mm-hmm. there's always been. You know, some theme, whether that's Commander Planeswalkers, whether they're like two color decks, whether they're like three color decks, or whether they're like tribal decks. Like, yeah. there's always been like, you know, a common theme in one way or another that the decks all share. Whereas yeah, I mean, this I... time it, it is, it's very much like, it looks like they've got like, you know, four, four people in R&D and gone, well, well, what do you like to play in Commander? What do you like to play in Commander? Or I like yeah. playing enchantments, so I'm going to build an enchantment deck. I like playing artifacts, so I'm going to build this artifact deck. Yeah, and it feels like they're designed by different people. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, the artifact deck is like so, like, this looks like a deck that someone's just put up on tapped out. Yeah. They've actually designed themselves because all the cards make complete sense. There's so many artifacts and like, they're not even just like random artifacts, they're like, they actually do stuff. Yeah. Whereas, like, the Lands Matter deck, it's like, okay, I'm just going to put this big spider thing in here. Why? I'm not going to put the Sword of Innistrad here because it's a mythic black card. Yeah. Um, I, I'm annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've still bought the Jund deck and I'm still really excited to actually build the deck. Yeah. Because I'm going to put Scape Shift and Crucible Worlds in it and it's going to be great. But it, it, also, they just seem to have just picked cards. They're, there's no cohesion. Like, they just pick cards that say land on them. Yeah. Scoop Mob. Like, that card's terrible. It just feels very odd. Like, really, really odd. Like, I think, like, some of the reprints aren't so bad. Like, mm-hmm. like arguably, you had stuff like, you know, Predict and Black Portent and, like, even ponder to some extent that will benefit yeah. from a reprint definitely mm-hmm. uh yeah you got stuff like yeah like inquel leviathan uh like you know Mer-Battlesphere, like cards that might not you know all of them they might not necessarily be expensive cards but mm-hmm. it's you know, quite welcome to see them reprinted yeah but yeah you just have these like a handful of cards so you could have easily put one card in each of these decks that would have just taken it from being like a you know a C level product, right, right, right up to like an A A plus level product, right away. I mean, maybe I'm completely wrong, and like you know, four people all buy a deck and play them against each other, and they're just like great and really good fun, and everyone has a great time. Yeah. But I just feel it's like such a mess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I agree with that definitely. Mm. Oh well, maybe maybe we just like to complain too much. So a common theme that these decks sort of share with with another thing we've seen recently is that it's the Master series, mm-hmm. which I feel like is, is another thing really where Magic has has gone wrong slightly so if you go back to modern masters 2013 like the very first one yeah that set was absolutely fantastic and um, it came out shortly shortly before i started playing uh, mm-hmm. and i remember talking to players at the time and like they were dead happy with it like they loved it it was this like just this dream country come true product where it was like oh suddenly i can get these expensive dead expensive cards at a more affordable price uh, or I can, you know, I can buy like a box of this, and I can, you know, instantly, instantly flip the box for like double the price, like if that's my thing. Like mm-hmm. it seems to be like everybody was dead happy with it at the time. Then we had uh, Modern Masters 2015, which again, like we saw some like really good reprints in there. You had like, you know, Noble Hierarch was a rare. Like yep. you had some really good mythics, like everything, but obviously Comet Storm was like a decent mythic in that set. Oh, and I forgot about Comet Storm. They even like tried something really cool, like the packaging, or like you know, we'll try this like recyclable packaging. Yeah, which happened to be a complete miss, but at least they tried something cool. Yeah, definitely. That was like you know one of those cases where like magic has gone wrong, but it really didn't feel bad. It was like you know, hey, like this is really cool. Like, uh, like we're glad you've tried this, and like we'd much rather you do it for this set than like a standard set, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, so like. The yeah, that was cool. Now after that, we had like Eternal Masters, which, like, you know, arguably was slightly worse than the modern Masters sets. But I think that is due to sort of again the reserve list and the restrictions on what you can print as far as like Eternal formats go. Yeah. But even then, I don't think Eternal Masters was a bad set at all. Like you had some 
you know, pretty powerful cards. Some cards that absolutely needed a reprint, and it was it was great that they got them. Yeah, like the, the reprint of Forcible is actually like a huge deal for Legacy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, even like the yeah, reprint of like Sensei's Divine on top was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like Jason Mind Sculptor, great. Just, just obviously they're all you know mythics and rares, but some really good cards in there. The draft mm-hmm. format itself was was really not that bad as well. Yeah, like it, it felt like a coherent set at least. Yeah. Uh, then after that we had. Uh, arguably the best one I think we had Modern Masters 2017 mm-hmm. it was just that, that was great just a, a win on all fours it, I think it was like it kind of shows like what can be done when they kind of just you know throw caution to the wind and go well we're just going to stick all of these desirable cards in one set like you want yeah. Snapcaster Mage there it is you want Liliana the Veil there it is Oh, you want fetch lands? Sure, we'll stick five of them in the set. Yep. Yeah, like if if they just put like like if they put fetch lands in like every single master set, they would I, they would just instantly be a hit. Yeah, like that was the thing. Like so, I drafted that set a lot because obviously the chances of actually opening value were fairly high. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I think I did like four or five drafts of that set, yeah. which for a master set is quite a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, and. Like, I opened a Snapcaster and a Misty Rainforest, and then, like, you know, a few Path to Exiles and stuff like that, like, some, like enough to make it worth it. Yeah. Um, and, like, I just had a really, really good time, like, drafting the set. Yeah, definitely. Like, my double Broodmate Dragon deck was just nuts. So, um... Yeah, it was it was one of those things where, like, I, I don't feel like the draft format itself was, you know, particularly great. Like, I don't think it was <laughs> one of the stronger Masters draft formats, but... Because yeah. the value was so good, it didn't matter so much. Yeah, like it would. It always feels a lot worse to get like a bad format and like no value. Whereas you, mean, like, you know you were going into a draft, like you were gonna, you know, guarantee like you were gonna get like a fetch land or you know something relevant for mm-hmm. any format that you want to play. Really, yeah, that's the thing. Like you wouldn't. So it's like it's like with drafting um, M19. Like the, there's one person that opens a Tesra, and then the rest of you open like pretty much nothing. Yeah, um, and then you draft a medium format. Whereas the thing with like um, Modern Masters 17 is like, like okay I actually might just open like I can pay for my next like couple of drafts if I open something reasonable yeah and there's a fairly high possibility and the draft format was like pretty good yeah uh, and then then you get like Iconic Masters <sighs> yeah Iconic Masters I think is when it all went downhill very quickly I think yeah so pretty much as soon as they announced it it was like Iconic Masters we're going to reprint some of the most iconic cards from Magic's history except we're not going to reprint any iconic cards whatsoever. yeah so like in- instantly <laughs> it was like oh okay like are they going to reprint reserveless cards like mm-hmm. the iconic cards that's like you know it's the Moxon and Black Lotus and mm-hmm. it's you know all of these amazing powerful cards from Magic's history like yeah. are-, are they going to do that so I think fairly fairly quickly after I'd say the vast majority of people got very excited about the possibility of them reprinting those you know reserveless cards either in the set or as some sort of special like masterpiece versions in the set mm-hmm. they very quickly got to oh no we're not going to reprint reserveless cards so then it was like okay well sure we won't get reserveless cards in the set but you know, there's still going to be some iconic cards in the set so you know like you know force of will could still do with another reprint even though it's just been reprinted or we'll mm-hmm. stick and stick you know maybe that'll be in there uh you know maybe we'll finally get like um like rashad and port like that's going to be in there we'll get like you know just yeah jason mind sculptor stick jason mind sculptor back in there calm yep. liberated you know loads of like potentially like iconic cards mm-hmm. uh, and it turns out that iconic actually meant something completely different iconic with a capital letter means iconic creature types or, <laughs> <laughs> or magic which was uh, was very odd so it wasn't actually about iconic cards at all as far as like you know what you and me understand iconic means yeah like i, I don't understand. i don't think there are really any iconic i mean like I guess you've got, like, Cryptic Command, which is sort of iconic. Yeah. But then I wouldn't call it iconic. Like, it's not iconic in the way that they didn't, like, technically define that format. Yeah, and, like, yeah, so, like, even as far as, like, the iconic creature types and, like, creature cards themselves go, like, so you had, like, the cycle of dragons from Kamigawa, like, at Rare, mm-hmm. but then you didn't have, like, the actual iconic, iconic cards, so, like, Shaven Dragon arguably the most iconic dragon in the game. Yeah. Wasn't in the set. Oh. Like, but instead you had like, you know, like Rune Scar Demon. <laughs> and, like, <Sphinx laughs> of the theme, like rampaging Bailops. Like sure. none of those cards are remotely iconic. No. They're, they're not even like it wasn't even a case of like printing cards that were iconic in their standard formats. Yeah. Like you didn't get like a siege rhino. <laughs> like Yeah, totally. Like, I just don't I understand, like you didn't get like you didn't get pack rat, like master of waves, like there were no cards particularly that were like you got like restoration angel, I guess, but like yeah, that was it. Like I feel like at like at the mythic slot, you did have some genuinely iconic cards, like 
mm. you had like Primeval Titan is you know it's a notorious card for the formats it's played in. I still don't think it's iconic though. I, I think it's getting there. I think like as yeah, I think as far as like green creatures goes, I think it's definitely up there on the list. Sure, like, you've got like I mean, you know Consecrated Sphinx was in there, uh, mm. Kiki Jiki was in there. And then you obviously you had the cycle of uh, Phyrexian Praetors as well, which I think they're all they're all fairly iconic. Yeah, I just, it it felt like such a weird set, like it didn't know where it wanted to be. Yeah, absolutely. They just it felt like they came up with a name and they just sort of crammed some cards they wanted to reprint a bit, I guess. Yeah, I think the the fact that the the way they did the uh, release for the set as well, so it had like a a very strange release where they they didn't do like a spoiler season. Instead, mm-hmm. they did their, their Hascon, their um, new annual convention that Hasbro were doing. Mm-hmm. They had this preview event there where everybody got to play Iconic Masters Sealed. Yeah. And so the, you know, the first we we actually saw of the set was people taking photographs on their phone and posting to Reddit and Twitter and you know, various other sites online. Which could have been cool, but it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, and I think it was, it it felt very strange to quickly, to, to like suddenly, like in a you know, in the space of 24 hours, go from, this set's really intriguing, like we know they can't reprint reserveless cards but we know there's going to be iconic cards in the set to suddenly seeing all of the cards in the set and being very confused uh-huh. and then knowing like there was still like two months before the set even came out yeah it just it felt, it felt like a miss on just all accounts really absolutely i think um, the only positive that came out of the set at least like for me was like mistress baubles went down from like 40 dollars to like five dollars yeah um and mana drain became affordable for command players i guess yeah i guess so <laughs> I mean, even like so, the, the next most expensive card was like Horizon Canopy. Yeah, and that's still incredibly expensive. I don't know. It it didn't it didn't feel right, and then especially when they released Masters Twenty Five after it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so Masters Twenty Five, the, the iconic cards. Yeah, definitely. Masters Twenty Five. They they released a sort of statement before the spoilers started for that, saying you know obviously they the. They heard sort of loud and clear all the feedback after Iconic Masters and how everybody was let down like massively, mm-hmm. uh, which you know understandably looking back on it. Uh, and you know they said, hey, you know we like they apologised. They actually apologised for Iconic Masters. Yeah, that's how much of a miss that set was. Yeah, and they said, well, you know Masters Twenty Five is coming up. It's a special twenty fifth anniversary of Magic, a special Masters set. We're going to reprint you know at least one card from every single set. This is going to be exactly what you were looking for with Iconic Masters. Yeah. So already, uh, that's expect setting expectations very high. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like it delivered. I yeah, like almost. I feel like you. It was certainly more of an Iconic Masters than Iconic Masters was. Like yeah, because they actually were printing Iconic cards. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You, you know, Jason the Mind Sculptor. Like Imperial Recruiter, uh, you had cards that really badly need to reprint, like Azusa Lost but Seeking was in there. Yeah. But then, like I think, like obviously we did open a couple of packs on uh, on on this podcast, and you had like even stuff like Triskaidekaphobia at rare. Like, oh, it, it it wasn't great. Yeah, I just think like they actually like put like Lightning Bolt in there. Yeah. They put like actual actual cards that people care about and are excited about for Magic. Yeah, definitely it did. It had actual iconic cards like Lightning Bolt, like Counterspell, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, Mana War, Swords to Plowshares, like all of these like good cards are in the set. Mm-hmm. And I guess like that, it, it's kind of way, how you consider like Magic sets or Magic releases to be a failure. Yeah, because I think like in terms of in terms of trying to provide what they wanted, like something that made you feel nostalgic for Magic, something that celebrated Magic, just as a draft set. Yeah, like, it's really successful. Yeah. Um, the trio editions aside, I think it was yeah like a like a successful set in terms of like just showing off Magic and like I oh, remember this, this was really cool, and you know look at all these cool cards, look how cool Magic is. Yeah, all these like two card combos and stuff they had in there, like Flash Hulk was in there. Yeah, it's awesome, um, and they just—I think they did that right. I think the value was a little bit off. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't think there's an excuse for Tree of Redemption, really. Plus, the fact that you know, after the fact, we found out like Tree of Redemption was like a last-minute include and had replaced a card. Like, yeah. there's absolutely no reason that Tree of Redemption couldn't have been Oracle of Moldiah. Yep. There's like no reason that if it was like another Innistrad card, that it could have just been Liliana of the Veil or like Snapcaster Mage. Yeah, well, I, th- I think. That was less of a failure. I think it failed on certain aspects, but not on all of them. Yeah. Like Iconic Masters did. I think yeah. so. I think it was considerably better than Iconic Masters, but I still don't think, like, given it was meant to be this massive, you know, 25 years of magic, like, I don't think there's, there was no reason why every box couldn't have been, like, a, you know, $500 box. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, and then you make what, we got, like, Battle Bond? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Vaguely. Oh, God, that set was a mess. 
Yeah, Battlebonds are a very strange one. Like people, people are still calling it Commander Masters. Sure, but have you ever drafted that set? No. Why not? Uh, I don't like two headed giant. Yeah. They're just forcing it. That was the thing. Yeah. They were forcing so many things into that set, and they didn't. They didn't hype it enough. I think it was one of the main failures of that set. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're doing the set, and here it is. Uh, here are some spoilers. Here's some cool cards. Here's the set. Okay, here's another set. Like they didn't give it enough time to breathe at all, which is which is always has been a big a big problem in in Magic's past is like um, with conspiracy and conspiracy yeah. two. Those those sets were awesome. They're really really cool. Yeah, I agree there definitely. Conspiracy and conspiracy two are examples of like supplementary products and sort of special sets done right. Yeah, and the flavor is really cool. The draft is really cool. They've put some good value in there. Um, and they're just good sets, but the marketing was just all over the place. Yeah, definitely. It just didn't work. So people people didn't know about it, or people didn't care about it. People didn't understand what it was for or why it existed. Yeah, they're very much like I think the the first conspiracy definitely suffered from that a lot. Like, you know, what is this? What is it for? Oh, mm. like I can't use these cards in standard. Like, there's no point in buying this. Like, yeah, sure, yeah. whatever. And then I think conspiracy 2 suffered from the problem of like oh this, this set's come out this is really cool and then like yeah like a month later it was the next standard set was out and yeah. you're just like trying to jam it in this place of in, in between products I think they just you know, once that it being out for three weeks w- was done nobody cared anymore because the next thing was, was right here right around the corner that's the thing and I feel like that's it's been such a problem recently with with magic products yeah definitely like the signature spell book yeah that was a cool idea and yeah. then they they well, they announced it two, three months ago. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, this sounds exciting. And they spoiled the whole thing. And then everyone forgot about it because they announced it so early. Yeah. And then it came out in shops and no one really bought it. And it was a bit of a flop. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know. I think it was... I think it's acceptable for what it is. Like, the mm. price point and the cards in there. I think I think it was fine. But I, you're right. Like, I think it could have you know at least like felt like so much more like felt like something a bit more special yeah i think that is definitely because there are so many products being released constantly yeah and like i know like not every product is for everybody yeah but i'm, I'm that's that's the thing like um because i know that i know that i know products that aren't for me and i know products that are for me yeah. products that i get excited about um but regardless of whether products are for me or not i still i can still find them exciting yeah totally still see their value in terms of magic but yeah. Like I feel like Battlebond was like could have been for me. Yeah, uh, I think there are, there are certainly cards in Battlebond for me, but the format itself is not for me. Yeah, like there are some sweet reprints. Like yeah. I, I picked up a Dublin season because of that set, um, and like like you said, like Commander Masters, and it felt like you're sort of drafting a, a weird cube set. Yeah, like a theme cube, which was cool, um, but it just felt like such a miss on on every count. Like the marketing was terrible. Uh, everyone sort of forgot about it. People drafted it like once or twice and then never cared again. Yeah. And the, the like some of the specifically design cards were cool. Yeah. Um, but so weird and so niche that I don't understand. I didn't really understand the point of them. Yeah. Um. So like it's just an exact like they've just they keep they keep doing it where they just sort of force sets out and sort of they've they've designed these cards so they want to get them out and they just put them in places where they can't breathe. Yeah, I think so. Um. And uh, it's always it was a problem with supplementary sets where they don't they don't get drafted enough they don't get enough respect. Yeah. Because like when the next standard set comes out or they try and release another supplementary product like three weeks later. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, all yeah, just like you'll you'll get one draft of like one set done and then. You know, the next week they've announced this this new set in like six months' time. Now you're dead excited for this one, and yeah. you're not excited about the set that you're playing currently. Like, yeah, like if it's a draft set, that's the thing as well. It has to you have to have at least eight people interested. Yeah, if you're like, oh man, Battle One is the most fun I've ever had playing Magic. I want to play it all the time, but everyone else is sort of like, eh. Then you're never going to get to draft it again. Yeah, because no one, no one wants to draft it. Everyone wants to draft Dominaria. Yeah, I think that that may have been a problem. I think Dominaria was too good. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't I don't think that's a problem. Like I really don't think that was a problem. Yeah, I think it's a problem if you if you're wizards and you're you're trying to release loads of products and trying to get people excited about magic. Yeah. And all you've done is just accidentally release one of the best draft sets of all time. Yeah. <laughs> one of the but best no sets of all time, I think, full stuff. Like. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, even though the value isn't particularly there, like I'm sure there's like Lyra and stuff and Khan and Teferi and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but like like in terms of opening a pack, like if you open if you draft, you're probably not going to get any value. No. Like I, dra- I did about thirty drafts. I didn't open. Yeah. I opened a Lyra. Yeah, I. But I still enjoyed I it. I wanted to do it every week. I don't know. I genuinely don't know how many how many drafts I did. Like, yeah, oh. I, I skipped a core twenty nine pre release to draft Dominaria. Oh, exactly. Like, yeah. 
Um, and I think that's, that's part of the problem. When, when you do a, when you do a setback well, when you do a setback that's flame that's that, that's that flavorful, even though the story was terrible. When you do a set that's that that good draft that's got that many fun constructed cards, yeah, cards that are good for um, like most formats really. Like there are cards from that set that made splashes in all the formats. Yeah, totally. I built three different command decks around cards from that set. Yeah, um, it made an impact on standard, obviously. Yeah, well, Deferi sees a lot more play than Jason Modern and Legacy and Vintage. And Legacy, yeah, <laughs> and Vintage. Like, yeah, cons showing up in Vintage lists. Like, yeah. It's just so like so, such a great set and such a great way to celebrate twenty five years of magic. Yeah, absolutely. And they just do all this other crap that just doesn't matter. <laughs> and it just I, I don't understand what their what their plan is. Yeah. Um, and where they want to go. It feels like they're trying to do too much to celebrate twenty five years of magic. Yeah. I, I Whereas they could have just done uh, a sweet. Um, they're going to do like sweet sweet standard set, a single sweet draft set. Yeah. Um, like they could have not done Battle Bond. They could have just done Masters twenty five and like that could have been the big set for the year. Uh they could have done a more nostalgic commander set. I think this this is the thing as well, like specifically the commander set, to come back to it again, is like that doesn't feel particularly iconic. Or like Yeah, definitely. If they put the Masters twenty five, like the planeswalker symbol with the work with the numbers twenty five inside it on that as well. Yeah. Um, that doesn't feel particularly iconic. Like Sahili, like Lord Wingrace, sure. Like you know, that, that doesn't feel particularly like, like it's celebrating twenty five years of magic. It's just a hastily slapped together commander set. Yeah, definitely. And they could they could have made everything cohesive. They could have made this year really really good, but they've just tried to release everything all the time. Yeah. And it feels like a, ugh, it just feels like a, a, a series of misses. Um, and no matter how good Dominaria was, it feels like everything else is sort of letting them down a bit. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's a fair point. Um, I mean, we, we, we haven't really covered it on the podcast, but the, the Silver Showcase thing. Yes. That whole mess. That's Speaking of failures by Wizards, jeez. Uh, um, yeah. Following on from like the beta draft at GP Vegas, which was amazing and one of the most popular things they've done, uh, and then just like taking it and just making it crap. Um, I don't know, it just feels like they're trying to do so much and they're trying to, they're trying to make it exciting, but they're not letting players get excited enough about it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think I agree. It's like, hey, you get excited about this for five minutes, and now get excited about this for five minutes, and then you you won't believe this next thing we've got coming up. Yeah, exactly. They're just they're trying to cram as much stuff as they can into it, and like, oh god, it's just not. And also, magic players don't have an infinite income. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have time to invest in like one thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have I have money to do dominaria drafts, or I have money to draft a supplementary set, or I have money to buy a commander card. Like, you know, in that in that sort of short space of time, yeah, it just feels really weird and it feels like this year they've really tried to go for entrenched players rather than new players yeah definitely because Dominaria was clearly for like entrenched magic players to make them feel nostalgic and oh yeah absolutely to appeal to the things they want uh, Battlebond was like I feel like just to play that set you had to have a fairly decent idea of what magic was about yeah we don't want that we just want a sweet standard set and like maybe a cool commander deck that's what we want we don't want like all this nonsense yeah. all the time yeah I think like, again it goes back to that thing of like you know, not every magic set is for me. You know, mm-hmm. like with magic, you can play you can play the game any way you want, and yeah. it's cool that they do release a whole numerous product, you know, a whole load of products for a whole load of different players, a whole load of Absolutely. types of gameplay. But sometimes I just think there's there's too much too often. Yeah, that that's been a problem for for a number of years now, where they're just trying to th- uh, just throw everything they can out um, and stuff. So yeah, like like the, the the biggest problem they have is people stuff doesn't get appreciated enough. Yeah, stuff I think doesn't so. have room to breathe. I think so. So I guess I guess that does it really for our, our main topic this week. It was definitely you know it's more of a negative topic, but I think we <laughs> kind of wanted to highlight sometimes magic goes wrong. Yeah, That's not uh, necessarily uh, you know it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the hobby. It mm-hmm. sucks when it does happen. But yeah. it, it it does happen. That is, is all part of the game, all part of the the process. Mm-hmm. That's they've got they've got to, they've got to miss in order to get things right. But yeah. it just feels like they've been doing a lot more misses than hits recently. Yeah, I, I think so. I think sometimes it feels like you know, two steps forward, three steps back. Mm-hmm. Just do a dominaria every year, and I'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah, or they bet I think Ravnica so. right, or I'm going to be livid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going to be great. Yes, I'm yes, really looking forward to Ravnica. I think, like, as much as we have talked negative, I think there are a lot of positive things to look forward to. Like Ravnica as a setting, like, is is fantastic. I have I have complete faith that those sets are going to be great. Uh, yeah. I really love that we're getting like a Ravnica Dungeons and Dragons book as well. I yeah, the Dungeons be... and Dragons players are not happy about that. <laughs> yeah, speaking of when magic goes wrong, I've yeah. seen some uh, some very unhappy D and D players. Uh, <laughs> 
but yeah I, I personally I like as a magic player like I think that's really cool like it's really cool that it's getting like an proper official like nice hardback book uh, it's going to be good for Dungeons and Dragons players because they get to experience this amazing plane of Ravnica that we know and like we know all of the history behind it and all of the lore and it's going to be really cool for D&D players to see that and then mm-hmm. it's going to be really cool for magic players just to just to see more of that to get this like really cool physical book which I think even if you're not interested in D&D, I think it'll make a, like a real nice companion piece, like the art book. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, we're already probably planning at least uh, one campaign using it. Sweet. Awesome. Uh, which is, I just, because it's, it's really cool. Yeah. This is the kind of stuff I want. I want, like, supplementary stuff. I don't want cards all the time. Yeah. I want, like, like the art book. Like, I've got, like, the art books, and they're, they're really cool. Yeah. They're just nice things to own. I like things to own rather than just, like, being bombarded with like literal magic cards all the time. Yeah, like I'm really looking forward to the the dice set that they're releasing for the yeah, um, that's the D and D as well. Like there's gonna be like a like a ten sided die with like each of the guild symbols on. Yeah, it's like it's really, really cool. And like I would spend a lot of money on like posters and prints and sleeves and yeah. companion books and, and stuff like that. Um like if they still if they still have the actual books rather than putting them online, I'd spend a lot of money on the books. Yeah. Just stuff. I just like I like I like magic. I don't. It doesn't necessarily have to be the cards all the time. Yeah, I, I agree there. But then, yeah. Apart from that, we've got like see, uh, the pro tour this weekend coming up. Mm-hmm. A special twenty fifth anniversary pro tour. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. It's obviously it's a team event. Uh, we get standard, modern, and legacy. Yeah, I'm excited to see what goes down there. Yeah, I really, really can't wait. I, you know, if I had to. If I had to pick a team to root on, like it's Peach Garden, uh, Garden Oath all the way. Like, mm-hmm. I think you just think it would be like just the perfect. Yeah, I think it'd be the perfect victory. I think would be if that team managed to take down this their twenty fifth Pro Tour. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, I think like it's just gonna be really interesting to see Legacy played on a stage like that. Like, it's not something I've witnessed before. Like, I've never seen a Legacy Pro Tour before. Like, I, I assume they've happened. Yeah, they have before. But yeah, like it's not one that I've seen. Like it's definitely not one that I've experienced live. So I'm really looking forward to watching it. Yeah, I'm actually going to make time this time to actually sit down and watch it properly. Yeah, same. Like I mean, I, I usually do for the pro tour anyway. But like, yeah, I'm going to make a you know cancel all my other plans. Like I'm just going to watch it all live, get some snacks, have a, have a really good weekend of just soaking in. Yeah, uh, the I best magic players in the world. Yeah, I can't come to work this weekend because I'm watching the Magic Pro Tour. I hope you understand. <laughs> and I'm sure they will. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Sweet. Yeah. I think it's going to be a good one, but if you uh, if you are missing any sort of reserve list staples for legacy decks, buy them now. They're going to be more expensive this time next week. Guaranteed. Buy them, buy them six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it! I wish I bought so many cards. Uh, so yeah. okay. tell me about it. Oh, well. But I guess that does it really for our, our main topic this week. Uh, we are going to we do have some in-step stories for you before we go. Mm-hmm. So mine comes from the PPTQ that I played. Actually, I just thought it was like a really sweet play, like one of the best. At least one of my favourite limited plays that I've definitely played in this format and probably just in limited in general for a while. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've got a uh, Colossal Dreadmoor on the field. Yep. Uh, my opponent's on six life and they've got uh, the 2 2 creature that makes a 2 2, like call the cavalry but a creature. Yep. So they've got that and then they've got the 2 2 that that makes as well. So that's all there is on the board. They're tapped out. And so I go swing in with a Colossal Dreadmoor. They double block both of them so they take two. They die, and then I play a uh, Demon of Catastrophes. Sweet. Sacrificing the Colossal Dreadmoor. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I have exactly five mana left over, which is enough to cast Rise from the Grave to bring back the Colossal Dreadmoor from a graveyard to the battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. In which they just concede on the spot. It was, uh, it was great. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was one of those, like... I mean, I did it in round one as well, so it was like, when that happened, I was like, yes, this is amazing. Like, I don't care if I just lose every round now, like... You had I did fun. that. It was a really, really sweet play. I'm glad yeah. that was something that I got to do with this deck. Uh-huh. So it was, yeah, that was my end step story this week. Nothing too exciting, but it was a really fun play. So M19 is good. <laughs> yeah, in corner cases. Yeah, when it's when it, when there's nonsense happening, it's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about you? Do you have an end step story for us this week? Mm-hmm. So uh, this week we had Legacy FNM. Yeah. Uh, which is always good fun. I mean, it's the only FNM I go to at the moment, really. Yeah. Um, I went one one two, <laughs> cool. so it involved two draws, um, but like had an absolute blast. It was really really good fun. Um, like I finally got my Maverick deck where I actually want it to be. 
Um, uh, it felt really good. I had a really good time. But my my favorite game was definitely against my friend Tom, who's playing Bug Nick Fit. Yeah. Uh, so he was playing Chat Par for a while and was just looking for something to fill the void of Death Row Charmin. So uh, I have veteran explorers. Um, let's just let's just do some absolute nonsense. Sure. Um, so uh, game one, uh, I won fairly quickly and convincingly. Yeah. Uh, which was fine, and then game two, which lasted a total of forty minutes, <laughs> um, it was just a series of just playing haymakers and answers. Yeah. Um, so I'd sideboarded in Gideon, uh, Gideon Alev Zendikar. Yeah. Because when I grind out, I just make a creature every turn, and I play it, and he goes, oh, "I genuinely don't think I can beat that." Oh, sweet. Oh dear. Okay. Um, so he, you, you can't abrupt decay. He's not playing any removal in the deck that can actually deal with it. Yeah. Uh, and then I make a couple of night tokens, start, like start bashing in, and then he just goes, uh, "Can liberated." Ooh. <laughs> exactly, like brought in Can liberated from the sideboard because making seven mana in a Nick Fit deck is incredibly easy. <laughs> uh, just, uh, exile your Gideon. I'm like, crap! I literally, I literally can't beat this card. Um, I literally can't beat a Can liberated on the field. Yeah. Uh, and then just top deck the Council's Judgment, which is my only answer to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then I just have enough enough on the board to just keep pressuring him and I'm just like running away with the game yeah uh, and then he just goes uh, ensnaring bridge <laughs> like, <laughs> crap okay there's li- literally nothing I can do I've already used my Kasali Pride Mage so I can't get rid of it <laughs> um, and then I draw Noble Hierarch oh like, nice sweet. Okay. I can win with a Noble Hierarch <laughs> I've done it before um, and then he keeps drawing rural spells for my Noble Hierarchs oh. and I keep drawing them and then he plays Muldroth of the Gravetide oh, okay which, in that deck, is really sweet. Yeah, it sounds it. Sounds like a really uh, cool deck. Because as as we all know, you cannot play a Nick Fit deck unless you're playing at least one standard legal rare. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that card's really good because you're obviously playing Fetch Lands, and you're playing your veteran explorer, which you've sacrificed to Cabal Therapy, so you get to play those. Yeah, seems good. Um, like you're playing Pernicious Deed. Muldroth Pernicious Deed is ob- just obnoxious. Yeah. So he plays that, <clears throat> and then plays a Pernicious Deed. Um, and there's like nothing I can do because he's just playing a pernicious deed every turn and then I'm like oh god I just need to draw a source to power shares then draw the source to power shares uh, so it's just a series of these things where like one of us thinks we just won't like run away with the game yeah. because we've drawn a specific card and then the other one draws the answer nice um, and then yeah I just I, 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 I lost but <laughs> it was really it was like really good fun like the board state at certain points was just completely ridiculous yeah it sounds like a really sweet game yeah, like it's the, it's the kind of magic I really like playing. Where it's just really grindy, really stupid. Um, where like one of the best cards is like Tireless Tracker. Like when I have a Tireless Tracker and my opponent has a Muldrow for Grave Tide, that's exactly the kind of magic I want to be playing. Awesome. Just absolute nonsense. Um, I also bogged him at a certain point when he had Muldrow in play, so that shut it. Just it was just these like the massively swingy game uh, that involved like some objectively really bad cards. <laughs> <laughs> sweet. Just like a, a one-off Ensnaring Bridge or one-off Card Liberated. It was really sweet. That's um, kind of magic, definitely. Exactly. Like, Legacy's great. Yeah. Um, it's, in a really, it's in a really great spot right now. Yeah, I, I think so. I think, like, like yeah, we, with hindsight, like, Deathrite Shaman was kind of the perfect ban, really. Like, Yeah, the format has opened up so much. It's yeah. Sweet. I did, like, at the time when it was legal, like, I did find myself definitely sort of falling on the side of the fence where it was like uh it's just kind of like a pillar of the the format at this point like it's fine leave it mm-hmm. but yeah i'm yeah i'm really glad that like it is banned now like sure maybe they'll unban it one day and like i don't think it'll be too much of a problem yeah. but i'm really liking where the format is at the moment yeah because i mean there's like just the metagame in general yeah. it's just it seems really healthy yeah definitely um, I mean, like, Death and Taxes is, like, one of the most played decks in the moment. Yeah, Death and Taxes is Death good. and like, Taxes is one of the best played decks, the most played decks, like, that's awesome. Yeah, and, like, yeah, like, the Taxing Probe, like, didn't kill, like, Ant. Like, you just play more hand disruption, and, like, I've still seen plenty of decks, like, 5-0 leagues, like... It's yeah, exactly. Still um, fine. But there's just, there's just so many things you can do, like, pretty much every type of deck is viable. Yeah. So, like, I think the most played deck at the moment is, like, Miracles. yeah. And you've got Death and Taxes, which is completely different. Yeah. You've got Rug Delve, which is completely different. You've got Sneak and Show, which is completely different. You've got Lands, which is completely different. Yeah. Reanimator, uh, totally different to that. Like. Yeah, exactly. And then you've just got like Eldrazi Stompy, because yeah. Eldrazi Infect still making like um, making games and like the Loam deck. It's just you can do pretty much whatever you want. Yeah, I think so. And like Maverick, which obviously is like my pet deck, is not embarrassing in any way. Like okay. it's very very reasonable. Uh, Miranda Keith keeps taking down tournaments. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the resident Maverick player, but 
Legacy is a really sweet format. Um, and like even even the bug Nick feedback, which is complete nonsense. Um, you're playing like objectively terrible cards. I, I I'm playing like <laughs> I'm playing Paradoxical Mentor. And I've, yeah, I've, yeah, I've won a non-zero amount of games. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You can just do complete, like, complete nonsense as long as you have like a few staples. Like, if you're playing white, you're playing sort of plowshares. Yeah. Uh, if you're playing blue, you have force balls. As long as you have like the sort of like set cards where you don't just lose on the spot, like you can do whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> it's really, really, really good. I'm, yeah, I'm loving it at the moment. It's the only format I want to play at the moment. I'm really off modern. Um, I don't have time to keep up with standard currently. EDH is, you know. Finding time to play ED, like long games with EDH is difficult, but just like jamming Legacy is what I want to do at the minute. Yeah, um, and it's really good fun. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to see what decks the pros bring to the Pro Tour. Like whether that you know, we'll see the Legacy meta game sort of shift after that. Like if it's going to affect much. Like I'm yeah, someone's going to break it. I'm excited. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be very good. Mm-hmm. So I guess that is pretty much all we have about time for uh, this week. So if you want to contact us on social media, get in touch, drop us a line. Like, do we just really like bum you out this week with like all this negative talk about the game? <laughs> do you agree? Do you disagree? Like, come at us. Let us know. You can hit mm-hmm. us up on social media. We're at Twitter. We are at hfdcast or facebook.com slash hfdcast. Uh, or you can get with us on our personal social media. So I'm at uh, Peach Garden Oaf, that's Oaf of an F. Uh, on Facebook, I am just Joe Loudon. Uh, you'll find me in pretty much any of the MTG UK groups. Uh, just, you know, I'm there, I'm buying, trying to buy reserveless cards. Yeah, and I'm just there tagging you in posts of people selling reserveless cards. Yeah, I still didn't buy a Bayou. You still haven't bought a Bayou? No, nope, still not. Oh, for the love of God. <laughs> um, where, yeah, can, you... where can people find you, Sam? <laughs> you can find me at Sneal69 on Twitter. Nice. Hey, um, and yeah, Sam Neil on Facebook. If you want to find someone just causing trouble, yeah, so that's all I'm doing. <laughs> Selling my cards because I've bought too many magic cards, and then just causing trouble and fighting people. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I do. Hey. If, if if there's like if there's a if there's a comment thread on one of the pages that's like 300 comments long. Can guarantee I'm a part of it. <laughs> yeah, you identify as green white. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm just trying to bring some law and order. Fair, and, fair. Shout out to people <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> Says Rakdos boy over here. Like <laughs> exactly. The moment, once when, not meant to be caught in trouble, where you're just like just doing things properly and being all lawful and <sighs> oh well. <laughs> bring on Ravnica. Yeah, definitely. So the Selesnya can. Rain Supreme again. We'll see. <laughs> we will. But with that, it does look like we are approaching the second hour. Uh, the Godfire has returned, so we'll see you again next week on Hour of Devastation. 